episode 990 of the It's About the Money podcast. My name is EJ Fakin, and tonight I am joined by Paul Semendinger. Paul, how are you? How are you? EJ, I am doing great. How are you? Doing, doing pretty well. You know, I, uh, if, if you guys haven't listened to it, we had a great episode last week where Paul and I interviewed uh, Dr. Rock Positano of the book Dinner with DiMaggio. Um, and uh, I think that really went uh, that really went well. So if you haven't checked out that episode, go go and check out that episode. Um, tonight we're going to talk uh, about the and I keep saying this the first place New York Yankees. Um, the uh, first place New York Yankees. We're recording this in the middle of a game against uh, against Toronto. So I think they currently have a two a two and a half game lead uh, over Boston, and Boston is losing. So hopefully we can make that a three and a half game lead by the time you listen to this. Uh, Paul, there is some bad news, uh, and that bad news has been Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, what's up with Tanaka? EJ, I think that's the million-dollar question. If somebody could tell us what was up with him, then we'd be able to fix it. I don't or think anybody knows. million-dollar question. Yes. Uh, what we do know is that he has pitched extremely poorly. Two outings ago, I actually did the recap for us on uh, It's About the Money, and uh, I was tweeting all day that he's back, the ace has returned, he pitched a phenomenal game, and then my hope was that he was going to build off that, and then last night he got clobbered all over the place, and it just it wasn't even pretty. I mean, everything was jumping off bats, exit velocities were, you know, I think in the triple digits, and, you know, the Yankees couldn't uh, get him out of there quickly enough. He was just uh, horrendous again. I think that yes. was like the fourth time out of five starts or so. Yeah, so he, he had been bad for two starts heading into the start before this, right? So he had three innings, allowed six runs against Tampa Bay, and just got clobbered in Houston, didn't get out of the second inning, allowed eight runs. It, it was bad. And then uh, a week ago, he goes up against Oakland. He strikes out 13, walks none, doesn't allow a home, doesn't allow a home run. Um, there's the... Uh, the weird wrinkle that Austin Romine caught that game instead of Gary Sanchez, and Austin Romine was catching another game uh, two, two nights ago. So I guess the the theme going into that night was, hey, maybe maybe Austin Romine has like the secret sauce to Masahiro Tanaka. Tanaka had pitched better, a little bit better at least, while Sanchez had been injured. Um, and then this happened: five and two thirds innings, he allowed seven runs. Um, he allowed some big home runs, just 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 couldn't get anybody out. Um, at this point, I mean, do you think do we think that there's an injury? I have to be honest. Two starts ago, I was saying to my son Ethan as we were watching the game, I I said I I would be absolutely surprised if tomorrow morning we don't find out that Masahiro Tanaka's on the disabled list. Obviously, he wasn't, and it doesn't seem like there's an injury because again, a week ago he struck out 13. He seemed to really figure it all okay. out. And his velocity's not down. And, I mean, it just seems like he's just not, he just doesn't have his, his, his good movement on his pitches anymore. And he's leaving everything up in the zone. So everything, everything that he's throwing is, is very hittable. Instead of being a pitcher who lives on the corners and knows exactly where he's throwing it, he doesn't seem to have any command. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Phil Hughes back, like, right before he left the Yankees, where Hughes had the good fastball, he had what seemed like good command, he had this, like, really just curveball that seemed like it had a lot of movement uh, but he just wasn't fooling any batters and when people were swinging and he was able to maybe you know throw that curveball for strikes every once in a while you know he could have a dominant start but when he didn't have a dominant start especially in Yankee Stadium or in, or in a ballpark like he was last week in Baltimore I mean he just he just got hammered 
I, I would agree with that exactly. He's also uh, reminded me of Pineda last year and the year before, whereby he gets two strikes or he gets two outs, and he can't seem to find whatever it is to finish off the inning or to finish off the batter. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on that because I, I think so Pineda the, there was this weird thing going on with with Pineda which is now basically all all you know uh, you know long forgotten where Pineda like was putting up really good peripheral statistics but he would have that big inning and he would have what what could be interpreted in some ways as bad luck right I mean it, it's possible that that was that was him caving into pressure or something along those lines but it was there was also a plausible explanation that it was bad luck Tanaka's peripherals are terrible. He's got a FIP over five. Uh, his ex-FIP isn't as bad. It's 4.04. Still not very good. He's not striking out a lot of batters. He's allowing a ton of home runs. He's walking you know, more batters than he really can if he doesn't have a good strikeout rate. Uh, I mean, something is clearly wrong with Tanaka. Uh, now, the, the injury we've been, we, we, everybody's expecting is, is the elbow, right? That you know, Tanaka has been is pitching with a partially torn UCL. That partially torn UCL will not heal on its own. Um, it's really only a matter of time before you know he he ends up probably having something like a Tommy John surgery or retires from baseball, um, and uh, I think it's plausible that he's hiding the injury. Honestly, I mean, I, one thing you would expect to happen if you had a, a, a partially torn UCL is you wouldn't be able to throw a splitter uh, nearly as well, or you'd be you'd be just a little bit uncomfortable throwing a splitter. The reason is like if you ever if you ever if you have like a baseball near you or, or a ball or something and you take it and you kind of take your your two fingers and you try to form a splitter, you can actually kind of feel it all the way down your arm, actually all the way down into your elbow. That's really hard to split your fingers like that. Um, and you know, I mean that 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 was hypothesized as one of the initial causes of his elbow problems, and you know it plausibly could be back. He has every incentive not to say he's hurt. Well, correct, and you know he's going to be. Uh able to opt out at the end of the season and you know the prospect of big money is looming on the horizon for him but not if he's pitching like he like he is yeah he only gets the 66 million in big money if he doesn't opt out but yeah no like yeah if Taka had an ace like season he'd be looking at a 150 million dollar contract um, and now, you know, uh, the Yankees might end up being stuck with a, an injured Tanaka for for quite some time um, let's say let's say there's no plausible injury. Maybe there's maybe he's a little bit banged up, but he's not. There's nothing that that's really there. If you're the Yankees, do you essentially like fake DL Tanaka, kind of like Greg Bird DL Tanaka, um, or do you or do you just let him keep pitching? Well, I think we've got to give him a couple more starts. Now, I, we, you and I talked a couple about a month ago about CC Sabathia. And I had uh, advocated giving him a few more starts, and so far that seems to be working out. So maybe uh, we can bring him to the same good luck here and say give him a couple more starts. But if if this uh, trend continues, obviously something is wrong. And yeah, I think you got to DL him. And we're going to talk about him in a second. The Yankees have Chance Adams, and I don't want to talk about him until we get to that segment. But we we have Chance Adams at AAA, kind of ready to go. Um, you know, I think that the um, you know the you have to ask at this point, even if Tanaka writes the ship a little bit and, and pitches like he did before this kind of bad run of starts where he's, you know, sort of still effective, but still, you know, still, still allowing a little bit of runs, how much better even that is than, than, than the replacement that they could bring in. Well, that, that is correct. And the Yankees are also, it's a strange year because I don't think any of us were thinking we'd be saying the first place New York Yankees, but this is really with, with your best pitcher, the guy who was a Cy Young candidate, 
is 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 having trouble, and and the Yankees are in first place. It's weird. It's it's very weird, and and also no production out of first base at all, <laughs> which which we thought was going to be a strong position going into the season, but. Uh, I think everybody really expected this to be a nice transition year. Get a chance to see the kids. Hopefully they do some fun things to make it interesting to watch the Yankees again, to sort of get on the new bandwagon and look toward next year and the year after when we really thought they'd start to contend. And I think part of that was thinking about what's going to happen with the rotation after Tanaka opts out and the Yankees don't bring him back. So the fact that uh, he isn't pitching well, I think the Yankees still have to be looking towards next year and what their lo- what their rotation looks like, and but the idea that Tanaka may not or probably wouldn't be part of that. Yeah, I mean it's weird. There's there's really no good scenario for the Yankees next year, or at least like no good likely scenario. Either he's good enough to opt out, or he's bad, <laughs> and, right. and that's 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 something I, th- I think the, to be to be concerned concerned about. Are are we agree though that if if Tanaka were to exit the rotation, it looks like Chance Adams is probably your next your next up. I would think so. Yes. And and just while we're on it, are, are you? Would you? Let's say so. Chance Adams, we're going to talk about him in a second. Is is pitching amazing at AAA right now? Multiple sources who are not affiliated with the Yankees have are like anonymously saying that he's ready for the major leagues. It's a, you know only a matter of time before he's called up. Uh, twenty three um, innings. He's already struck out twenty seven. Would you Would you substitute Chance Adams for Jordan Montgomery? You know, I don't think I would. Uh, I still think that we want to develop these young pitchers, and the only way to do that is to let them pitch. I, I'm 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 still high on on Montgomery. I, I think he's shown flashes of a kid who has the ability to get big leaguers out. I was actually at his first game. I, that was the only game I've been to this year at the stadium, and he looked great. And while he hasn't really replicated that time after time, I don't think there's any reason not to keep uh, throwing him because he probably is one of the people that we're going to have in the rotation next year. I, I wouldn't yeah, want to do anything to damage his uh, confidence and his his growth. I mean, he's he's coming off, I think, a, you know, one of his better starts of the season. Um, he he's pitched with a four point one one ERA, but I believe his FIP is well below three. So he's 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 putting results on the field right now. He's getting hit a little bit, and you know I don't think anyone thinks Jordan Montgomery's going to go out and win a Cy Young. But you know if Jordan Montgomery long term is a four ERA who can eat some innings, I, you know I think that's that's the one of those pieces the Yankees I think you're right need to be thinking about long term, right? Like a, after this year, Sabathia is likely either gone or re-signed to a short term contract. Uh, Michael Pineda is a free agent. Masahiro Tanaka, we've already talked about, right? So you know you you're going to need those those guys like Jordan Montgomery, maybe like Chance Ad- Chance Adams as well. Um, but we'll get to him in, in, in a second. Any last words on Tanaka before we move on? No, I, I think we've covered it. Let's hope he figures out what's wrong and uh, we get the old Tanaka back. And the Yankees are faced with the dilemma of what do they do when he opts out. All right. Well, we are uh, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is going to be in the minor leagues. But before we do, a message from our sponsors. We are sponsored by the, the Original Grain Watch Company's Yankee Stadium Watch. Uh, as Father Time marches on, the 1923 Yankee Stadium Limited Edition Watch will preserve that precious bond, making this ultimate ultimate heirloom piece for any devoted fan in your family. It's a watch. It's super cool. It is made from a uh, from wood from the 1923 Yankee Stadium original seats, uh, you can the second you you see it, you you immediately understand what that 
uh, you know, wh- wh- where it came from. It looks like it came from a 1923 Yankee Stadium uh, seat. Has a very very cool patina on it. Highly recommended. The Yankee Stadium watch. If you were more, if you were interested, you can get it at originalgrain.com/pages/yankeestadiumwatch. And we thank Original Grain Watch Company for sponsoring this podcast. Moving on, moving on to the minor leagues. Uh, we uh, we're going to talk about just Scranton and Trenton today. Uh, just to give you a preview, next week we'll probably talk about some other minor league happenings. We also might start to talk a little bit about the draft, which is coming up. Um, uh, again, every every month or so, we're going to try to kind of take a, a look around the minor leagues and and look at what we've learned this month. And one thing I've learned this month, Paul, and and I think this is this is a fun thing, is that. Uh, the Scranton Rail Riders or Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders are good. I mean, th- this is this is a, a a loaded loaded lineup. I mean, I'm looking at their their lineup right now, and they have Tyler Wade leading off. They have Dustin Fowler playing center field, batting second. They have the rehabbing Tyler Austin batting first. They have uh, G Man Choi, who's kind of a quad A player, but having a really good season, playing DH. Clint Frazier in left field. Um, and uh, uh, they usually have Rob, Rob Refsnyder uh, out there playing as well. Um, of these players, of the players who are, um, who are up at AAA, who are you most excited for? Well, you know, ever since they've gotten him, the guy that I'm really rooting for is Clint Frazier. I just uh, am just super high on him when the Yankees announced that that was the uh, centerpiece of the trade last year at the, ted- at the deadline, and they got Clint Frazier. I said... This guy is going to be a cornerstone player, and you know, so far he's he's got nine homers already this year down there in AAA, and he's 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 got the potential to really be a uh, impact player. So I'd like to go a little deeper on Clint Frazier. So so what draws your eye to Clint Frazier? Who are you? Why why is Clint Frazier the player that stands out to you? <laughs> you know, sometimes there it's just undefinable. Uh, you, you you see a guy, they they just seem to have the whole package. Um, he seems like a decent guy. There have been some documentaries on him, how he, how he's a hard worker and he's a good human being. And he just seems to have passion for the game. And, and again, one of the things I think that have been lacking on the Yankees teams in recent years was just guys that, that are bringing that exuberance and that fun to the stadium each day. And, and he seems like somebody who's just going to go all out and be that type of player who's, who's going to always give it 100%, which reminds a Yankee fans of, of guys. Yeah, absolutely. Every time you hear talk about him, he, 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 they say he will talk your ear off about baseball, right? That's what he's thinking about 24-7, and that's that's what he's he's good at. And he's got all the physical tools and bat speed and all that, but I, I agree with you completely. Like that, Those are the traits that I hear um, hear about with Clint Frazier that just get me excited, right? This seems like a guy who is coachable, who will adapt, who in the age of data and scattering reports and all of these things will be that that kind of player. So I'm totally with you on Clint Frazier. Um, Frazier's had a, a good month, um, not a, not an amazing month, but you know I think uh, um, Frazier has been adjusting a little more slowly to AAA than some of the other players we're going to we're going to talk about. Um, but he's still that's that's not to say he's been bad. He's been he's especially in May he's been really on fire, right? Two seventy seven, three sixty one, five forty five. Uh, Scranton, Wilkesbury, uh, and, and the International League as a whole are, are pitching favored, so it's a little bit hard uh, for a player like Frazier to uh, uh, to hit for power in, the, in these kinds of leagues. I mean, he in 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 other Yankee teams on, on other years, and maybe a year where Aaron Judge wasn't doing what he's doing. I mean, I think Clint Frazier would be on the Yankees now, wouldn't he? You would think, sure. 
Now, here's a question for you. And we're gonna we're gonna bring up we're gonna bring up Clint Frazier, and then in a second we're gonna talk about Dustin Fowler. But just for the second, let's think about Clint Frazier. So with Gardner hitting so well, and Aaron Hicks hitting so well, and Aaron Judge hitting so well, and Matt Holiday hitting so well, and Jacoby Ellsbury not hitting badly at all, what do you we do? What do we do with Clint Frazier? Is he is he just destined to stay at AAA the whole season, or at least till September? He might be. Um, you know, I was advocating. I, I think most Yankee fans would love to see the Yankees somehow get rid of Jacoby Ellsbury and let's trade him and, and open up some room in the outfield. But I think most people also realize that the most tradable guy of the guys we'd be willing to get rid of has always been Brett Gardner. Um, but the talk about trading any of these guys at this point, I I wouldn't mess with the success we're having. So I, I would rather let Clint Frazier continue to develop and to let what's happening in the major leagues stand pat and let these guys keep on keeping on for now because what we have is is beginning to look like it might be something magical and I wouldn't want to mess that up at this point. I mean, I'm with you. I think there's a couple of things, right? One is that it's just unrealistic, right? Brett Gardner's not being traded. He's the longest tenured Yankee on this team. He's having a great season, even though I think he's playing a little bit above his head and I'm a guy who likes to sell high-end players. That's just not something that's going to happen. That just doesn't happen in the major leagues. And I think that there's, I think you're kind of, you're kind of getting onto an interesting idea that there, there might be some clubhouse problems if you traded Brett Gardner right now. Right, a player who's on the top of his game, who's a leader in the clubhouse, who's the longest tenured player in the team. I just, I just don't think he's going anywhere. No, nah, um, and I don't think he can. I think that'd be yeah. silly. Yeah, and so I, I mean, I think Clint Frazier is stuck in AAA for a while, and yeah, I mean, maybe there's an injury that brings him up, um, but you know, it, it's not. He's actually not as much as the player we're going to talk about next, Dustin Fowler. That he's Clint Frazier is not um, flawless at AAA. Right, he's there. There's there, he still has things to learn down there. I think there's harm in keeping a player at AAA too long, um, or or at any minor league level too long. They learn bad habits um, if it's just too easy for them to play down there. But I mean, there's just no evidence that that's Clint Frazier at this point. No, uh, absolutely not. Yeah. So let's talk about this next player, the other outfielder, who I think actually has an even more compelling case to be promoted to the major leagues. It's Dustin Fowler. So Dustin Fowler, how much do you know about Dustin Fowler? I'm curious. He's a lower-profile prospect. I, I actually I didn't hear your question. We had a disconnect okay. there. Oh, uh, no problem, Paul. Paul. Uh, so, Dustin Fowler. How much have you heard about Dustin Fowler? A much lower-profile uh, prospect. Well, of course, he's on the radar, and and he's doing great. He's hitting three twelve. He's got a slugging percentage of five eighty three. His on base percentage three forty eight. Uh, OBS is uh, nine thirty one, and he also has nine homers, just like uh, Frazier. So. And I understand defensively that he could go in the major leagues right now and do a, a fine glove. job. He's a go-glove center fielder. I mean, right. that, that's that's what I mean. I mean, before this season, Fowler had put up like an interesting season at Double A. Right? Trenton is really hard to hit uh, hit for power, especially for a uh, uh, well, actually, just for right. He's a left-hand hitter, but especially for a right-handed hitter. Um, you know, he had put up a 281, 311, 458 season. It was, he was kind of one of those players where a lot of scouts were being like, "Guys, just trust me. Like, he's good." Right, and I, I generally, especially at Double A, don't really trust that evaluation very, very strongly. Um, but I did trust the defensive evaluation. Right, he's really good. He's he can he's a good defensive player, and now all of a sudden he's a really good defensive player who's who's he's looking like like a young Curtis Granderson out there um, at Triple A. Right, he's he's hit he's already hit seven triples. He had fifteen triples last year, nine home runs, thirteen uh, 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 doubles. I believe he leads the minor leagues, or at least he leads Triple A in total bases. Yeah, hundred and sixteen um, already. That's amazing. Yeah, 
I mean, he's the, the guy. The guy is just is just hitting everything right now, right? He could still take more walks. He could still strike out a little bit less. Those would all be great. But he's proving that he could be not just like a major league player, but like I think a sneaky good major league player. I mean, the kind of guy who puts up a ton of value on defense and can hit a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can hit a lot bit. Like if you close your eyes again, I think you can see Curtis Granderson. I think you could see Adam Eaton. You know that kind of player. You, you know who you could uh, see? You could see Brett Gardner. Brett <laughs> never never hit for this kind of power in the minors. He does now, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think you're you're right. I mean, especially a younger Brett Gardner who was who was one of the best defensive players in the game back in his day. Correct. Um, and, and and that's I mean Brett Gardner I mean put up some sneaky five win seasons, and that's that that's to me that there's a case that that you can improve the team by promoting Dustin Fowler. Now the problem is is that I don't know who who he loses playing time to. Um, but I, I think that's that's the that's the other threat on this roster. Um, so so those those I think are the two big standout players up at AAA. Um, other news since we last did our minor league update is the Yankees promoted Glaber Torres um, from AA up into up to AAA. So Torres was the youngest player at AA, and now he's actually the second youngest player at AAA. Now the Braves have Ozzy Albies. Um, who's, who's like a month younger than Glaber Torres, um, but still Glaber Torres is incredibly young for the for for the level he's been, he's been brought up to. Um, so far, he hasn't hit great. He's hit two hundred seven, three sixty one, two forty one. Right, by no means has he been overwhelmed. Um, though actually, I believe he used that word. I think I saw a tweet somewhere where, where Glaber Torres said, "Hey, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed right now because I'm twenty years old at AAA, like he's supposed to be." Um, so I have a qu- couple of questions for you. Do you think we will see Glaber Torres in the major leagues in 2017? Yes. As a September call-up or before that? No, I think he's not coming till September unless he gets on fire and he just starts uh, tearing up AAA. And at the same time, the Yankees find a need in their infield, whether that means somebody gets hurt or whether it means that Chase Headley just continues to do nothing and they feel like they have to make a move. But right, so absent of that, I think you're going to see him in September. Scenario. So let's say it's we're doing the same roundup in you know, in a, a month from now. Uh, Glaber Torres has just had a really great June. Let's say he's put up basically something similar to his double uh, A numbers, where he hit 273, 367, 496 in June. Chase Headley's doing about what he's doing right now. Uh, do you call up call up Glaber Torres and re- replace Chase Headley? Wow, that would be a tough call. I, I think I'd give him a little bit more time. Again, he's only 20. Yeah, um, But I'd be tempted. But I'd be I'd be uh, tempted, but I'd still leave him down there for a little longer. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, too. I mean, I think I think when, when I saw that quote when he said, I'm overwhelmed, it kind of hit me a little bit that, you know, the, the Yankees, even if Glaber Torres gets pushed up and gets even more overwhelmed at the major leagues, I think that we, we, we can't expect him to be that much better than Chase Headley. Right, Chase Headley's in a slump. He's been hot already at some, at, at points during this you know during this season, and I think that we can expect basically his last couple of years a two win player. And I'm not really convinced that Glaber Torres is that much better. And I don't think that the risk of kind of interrupting his development is worth the reward of a you know a very very small improvement on Chase Headley. I would agree with that entirely. And again, I'll go back to the point I made earlier. I think all these wins and all this fun and all this uh, first place is really just a bonus this year. I don't think anybody expected, or, I mean, we all wanted it, but I don't think any of us expected it this year. So 
the long-term goal has been really to build this team for next year and the year after. And that's what would be my guiding principle going forth. It's If they win this year, that's great. That's, that, that's awesome. But we're really thinking about we don't want to interrupt any of these players' developments because we want them to be the great players they can be in the future. Um, okay, so let's move on to Chance Adams. So uh, he's the only pitcher we're going to talk about in Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. He started the season off at double-A. He had pitched at double-A the season before. I was actually a little surprised that the Yankees assigned him back to double-A because he had been so good the year before. And so were double-A hitters. Uh, he had he had pitched uh, 35 innings. He had allowed just, looks like, four earned runs over those 35 innings, 32 strikeouts. He actually had a bit of a walk problem. He walked 15 batters over those 35 innings. But he was just so unhittable that um, he got promoted back up to AAA. Since then, he's been even better, right? He's got over a strikeout per inning. He's under three walks per nine innings. He's allowed only one home home run. He has also allowed four home runs, this time over 23 innings, 1.57 ERA. Uh, His last start uh, just yesterday or two days ago, he uh, he pitched six innings. He struck out 12. He walked two, and he allowed no, no earned runs. Um, we've got lots of quotes coming in saying that this guy Chance Adams is ready to go. Uh, he's 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 a major league starter. Um, so my question for you is: If I gave you an over under for starts this season from Chance Adams, uh, let's see, we have what well, we've got about two thirds of the season remaining. So let's say the over under is fifteen starts. Do you pick the over or the under? <laughs> you know, I think I picked the under. Okay. So you think that I, he's coming at least a month? At least a month before he comes. He's coming, but I think they still have some other things to work out. I don't think, they, again, they want to take Montgomery out of the rotation. And I think, you know, if they if they DL Tanaka tomorrow, then we see him. But I, I think Tanaka's not getting DL'd for a, for a while, if it happens at all. So one idea that I, I heard, I saw on Twitter, that I, I think, I, I know that this is never probably going to happen, but I just love the idea, is the six-man rotation. Um, right, you give Sabathia an extra day of rest, you give Tanaka who, you know, pitched most of his life on six days rest, an extra day of rest. You give Severino an extra day of rest, who, you know, he's a, he's a young arm, whatever about Pineda, right? And you go with six stars. Would you do that if you were God? <laughs> if I were God, huh? Yes. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's eliminate all the public, you know, the public uh, publicity concerns, the, you know, clubhouse stuff. We can, we can stay in there, but like, you know, forget all the the pressure on on uh, on teams not to go to a six man rotation. Like, if if baseball was your only concern, would you go to a six man rotation? With what the Yankees have right now, I think it would be an an interesting idea because it would be able to get uh, Chance Adams into the major leagues without interrupting the other five guys that are already there. So, and you and you moderate his workload when he's in the majors. <coughs> right, Chance Adams is a bit of a small guy. He's a reliever conversion. Um, and so, you know, you, you know, he only pitched, I think, uh, like 130 innings last season or something like that. And so, you know, you want to moderate his time. So I think, I think personally, it's the best of both worlds. Um, fun fact, I believe Chance Adams is older than Luis Severino, uh, which is also kind of crazy. Um, Severino is the youngest player on the New York Yankees. Um, well, Chance Adams is 22. I, he'll be yeah, 23 so in August. Is, as is Severino. So, ah, oh, no, Severino's 23. I'm wrong. Okay. Um, so yeah, I forget everything I just said, but still, um, you know, I, I think I think there is. I, I if I'm the Yankees, I'm also thinking about Severino's arm, especially since he doesn't really throw with his legs. He throws so hard; he's a little bit small. All of those things. Um, but let's move on to Double A. 
<coughs> excuse me. So at Double A Trenton, um, actually one more thing. Let's 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 do one more little bit on Triple A. So rehabbing uh, this season has been Tyler Austin. So Austin left, uh, got hit early in spring training with what was it? Was it like a broken bone? I think it was. Yeah, foot, right? Yeah, it was, uh, foot. Yeah, he got hit. He got hit with a, a, a he got uh, a ball off the bat. I think with his foot. Um, and he, so he's been rehabbing. He's played ten games right now, right? So he kind of needs a full spring training. So far, between Double A AA and Triple A, he has hit, uh, let's say three forty three forty four four seventeen five thirty one. Excuse me. He's been playing mostly first base. Uh, Tyler Austin is clearly soon ready to be to, to come back. Um, let's say Tyler Austin at the end of the Blue Jays series is ready to be activated. Um, do you uh, activate Tyler Austin and DFA Chris Carter? Well, it's either Carter or Ref Snyder. Oh, who, I forgot. Who go Ref back Snyder. down. Okay. okay, different question. Do you who, is Tyler Austin uh, four days from now your starting Yankees first baseman? Without a doubt. He, he put up enough last year. Um, yeah, he had a lot of strikeouts and, and all that, but so did Aaron Judge. And I think going into the season, everybody figured, in the Yankees, not, not just the fans, that this guy was going to be a contributor on the Major League roster. And if he's healthy again and he's producing, which it seems like he is, he, he, he has his spot to come back to. And, you know, they've gotten zero production out of first base. And, you know, Ref Snyder was two days ago. I think everything that was thrown to him, it seemed like he dropped. So, yeah, I mean, if, even if Ref Snyder can hit, and I think the jury's still out on that, but the Yankees always feel that he's always been a bat-first guy, and they've always tried to find a position for him. Uh, Tyler Austin at least can handle himself around the bag defensively. Um, and, you know, Carter has done absolutely nothing. He's been a big disappointment. So, yes, Tyler Austin would be my first baseman. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that, like, if Carter was a, uh, uh, it was a lefty, I think it would be a perfect platoon option. But he's not, right? And neither is Rob Refsnyder, right? And so you have uh, Refsnyder's a switch hitter, but um, but so you have uh, you have your choice between Tyler Austin and Chris Carter. Now, Chris Carter, you know, has never been a bad hitter in his career, right? He's got a career 109 OPS plus. Had one season where he was at 102, but other than that, he's been above 110 every season. The problem is that it comes in fits and spurts, right? He's the guy who will hit 150 for most of the year and then have a month where he hits like 15 home runs. And he's 30. And I think the problem with Chris Carter is that you don't know if you, if you, no one's going to know that he falls off a cliff until he falls off a cliff for a full season, Correct. right? Because you're always going to be able to say, like, oh, well, hey, he hit 41 home runs last season. The hot streak's just around the corner. And it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And all of a sudden, it's June 1st. And he's hitting 186, 286, 343. Now, I I think that he's probably going to hit one, a 110 OPS plus for the rest of the season. But Tyler Austin can hit that too. And Tyler Austin will both be more consistent. And you'll know if Tyler Austin is bad, right? So if Tyler Austin is going to like hit like 180 for the rest of the season you'll know it in three weeks, right? And Or at least you'll have a good idea of, of it in three weeks. And you can make a decision to bring back Craig Bird, to bring up Mike Ford, something like that. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that Chris Carter gives you any information about his future performance right now. No. And and uh, he's been a disappointment. I, and he's, it's not like in the beginning of the year they were saying, well, he needs to give him 100 at-bats. He's had 100 at-bats. He's, he's got 119. For, for, yeah. for weeks, right? Greg Bird's been out for a month. Correct. So Chris Carter's had his opportunity. 
And I, I really, boy, oh boy, when the Yankees got him and I saw 41 home runs last year and then 24 the year before that, 37 the year before that, I said, oh, oh here we go. This, this guy's going to be fun in a transition year. A guy who's going to hit a bunch of bombs and, and add some interest. Or at least he, he can be a threat off the bench. Right? Yeah, but he's been nothing. Like it's, it's been such a disappointment. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they DFA'd him instead of Ref Snyder. Again, with or, looking toward the youth and looking toward the future, that I think Ref Snyder has got more of a chance to stick around in future years than Chris Carter does. Obviously, so I mean, I mean, I honestly don't have a lot of faith in Ref Snyder. I think he's he, he just doesn't have a position, and the Yankees have better options at basically basically everywhere. But yeah, I mean, I think there's at least a chance that he's a decent bench player in the major leagues, um, and and can can basically be Chris Carter. Uh, you know, with the bat, with a little bit better, you know, a little bit more defensive flexi- uh, flexibility. Uh, but I want to move on. We've t- talked too much about AAA uh, and kind of really briefly get up to get down to AA. So looking at the Trenton Thunder roster, what players what players are most interesting to you? That's a great question. Uh, I'm looking at the pitchers, and I'm the guy that uh, you hear the most about right now is Justice, uh, Justice Sheffield. Pitcher, uh, uh, Eastern League Pitcher of the Month in May, Justice Sheffield. Acquired in the Andrew Miller trade uh, last offseason, or last at uh, the last trade deadline. So, so do you know? Well, tell me what you know about Justice Sheffield. Uh, not a whole lot. I know he's got a four and two record. Um, it's almost a strikeout in inning, forty nine innings, forty four strikeouts. His WHIP's uh, one point three eight. That's a little high, obviously. But um, you know, a lot of the scouts, a lot of the reports on him were very high. They said he's a little guy, but he's got a lot of a uh, lot of potential and a big uh, high end. And you know. If it's just me, but I always root for the uh, little guys when they say there's the little guy and he can't pitch well. I'm a guy who grew up with Ron Guidry, and so I always hope for another guy like that to come along and, and just prove everybody lefty. wrong. Yep. I mean, I, I think that we would. I think Justice Sheffield would be a much higher profile prospect if the Yankee farm system wasn't so deep, right? Mm-hmm. Like Justice Sheffield is a legit, you know, top ten pitching prospect in the major leagues. Um, and the Yankees, I mean, the, the Yankees got him in a trade where they got Clint Frazier, and so you know he, he's the second prospect in that trade. But I think I don't I don't think we should diminish our opinion of him. He had a slow start. He did not have a very good uh, very good April. But again, like I just said, he was the May pitcher of the month. Um, uh, actually, I guess he had a better April than I thought. Though he walked a lot of guys, but still in May, twenty seven innings, twenty three strikeouts, three point. I'm sorry, I think it was not the May pitcher of the month. I believe he, I'm sorry, he was last week's pitcher of the week. He had two very strong starts last week. Um, he's 21 years old. He's got really good stuff. Uh, my favorite thing about Justice Sheffield is there was a there was a quote from spring training where he just someone asked him like what is he trying to accomplish in spring training and he said I'm just trying to make the team um, the major the New York Yankees. That's uh, awesome. I'm, I'm sure someone patted him on the head and said that's very cute, kid. Um, we'll see you in a couple of months, hopefully. Um, but you know he's right now he's pitching consistent with future major league starting pitcher. I don't think he's going to get promoted anytime soon. I don't think the Yankees are going to bring him to the major leagues season, uh, but so far so good for Justice Sheffield. Um, I'm going to give you my pick for most interesting player, and that's going to be Miguel Andujar. Andujar, I think, is a is a third baseman. He's a very, he's a pretty good defensive third baseman. He, he's hitting 293, 320, 473. Again, this thing I always mention every time I talk or write about Trenton is that tr- the Trenton Thunder, especially early in the season, is a massive massive advantage for pitchers. It is a pitcher's park. It is not a place where especially right-handed hitters can hit for power. It has, like, worse than Petco used to be before they changed the walls. It is it is a place where it is hard to hit baseballs. 
And Miguel Andujar is hitting for power. He has a 473 slugging percentage. He is doing well in his second uh, second pass through Trenton. Miguel Andujar is going to be promoted to AAA soon. AAA third base is a position that they have open. Uh, right now, Donovan Solano is getting a lot of at-bats, as well as Gleyber Torres. Um, I think there's a pretty decent chance that Miguel Andujar is the is the uh, third baseman for the New York Yankees heading into the playoffs. Well, you might be right about that. He might take the leap over Gleyber Torres in that regard. You know, in his last 10 games, he's hitting 500. Um, 18 hits in 36 at-bats. So he's quickly making a mockery of double-A pitching. And again, when you have a guy like this who's got such a high upside, you, you start to think about moving him up to the next level. And he's, he's getting ready to get there. Yeah, he's on a big hitting streak right now. He has a double in like six straight games or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Yankees are, are going to promote him any day now. Um, and I think the advantage for over Gleyber Torres is defense, right? I mean, Gleyber Torres, we think, could be a pretty good defensive third baseman, but he has very little experience there in the minor leagues. He mostly played shortstop and a little bit of second base. Well, actually, no second base. He played second base briefly in the Arizona Fall League. Um, but Miguel Andujar has been playing third base for a long time, and people think he's pretty good there. Um, I think, you know, and he's also might be your long-term fit at third base as well. Um, so yeah, he's a third baseman. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been playing third base for, for seasons now, for a long time. Um, and again, he's still young. He's, he's only 22. Um, you know, he's, this is his second go-around double-A. He's been kind of a slow adjuster to leagues. Um, every time he gets promoted, he has like a half-season slump before turning it on. I think I've written like four posts over the years, which is like half-season breakout for Miguel Andujar. And it's an, we have another half-season breakout, but this time it's coming in the first half of the season, which is probably a good thing. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think he's the guy to keep an eye on, and I think he's a pretty good bet to be your next long-term Yankee third baseman. Uh, anyone else on this roster you want to talk about? Uh, I'd love to hear your opinion of Jake Cave. Oh, sure. So Cave is interesting. So Cave was a Rule 5 pick uh, last year. He got returned to the Yankees. Um, and has never been like on high enough on the depth charts to be added to the 40 man roster. But he reminds me a lot of like Ben Gamble right now, who's currently mm-hmm. batting second for the Seattle Mariners and has like a, has like an 850 OPS on, on the season. And I think Jake Cave could be one of those players who isn't good enough to crack the Yankee outfield because there's just better prospects ahead of him, but uh, ends up essentially playing, you know, five, six seasons of major league baseball for some other team. I can um, see that as well. When he was drafted, he was like the Yankee guy of that draft. I remember that, like, like months before the draft, everyone was saying, like, in the seventh round, Jay Cave, he's either Yankees or college. Um, he's definitely one of those, two. or Yankees or I think he was a college player. Either way, that either Yankees or he goes back to college, whatever it was. Um, and uh, and that's what you know. He ended up being a Yankee, and then he's slugging five seventy at, at Trenton right now. So. Yeah, he's he's doing all right. Uh, the other guy, Billy McKinney, he was one of the uh, guys in one of those trades last summer. He seems to be struggling a little bit. Yeah, he's he had that that great spring that gave everybody hope, but yeah, he's, he's, it looks like he's he's probably not much of anything anymore. And the other sad guy down there is old Dante Bichette, who's who's batting yeah. only one forty seven. <laughs> hey, his brother his brother's doing well. His brother Bo Bichette's having like a breakout season, so there's that. Um, so I'll bring up a couple um, a couple of players just to kind of keep an eye on, and I won't say too much about these players. Uh, Ronald Herrera. So if you're like me, you probably first heard of Ronald Herrera when he was added to the 40-man roster. Had no idea who the hell he was before this. Um, Herrera is is in his second season at Double A. 
I believe last season he was the youngest pitcher in the Eastern League. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that was true. Yeah, like a good, decent season. You know, like he, he's a ground ball pitcher. He, you know, he struck out close to uh, a batter per inning. Um, and this season he's doing basically the same thing. Um, again, he's still pretty young. He's, he's now 22, probably is, is, um, is on his way to AAA pretty soon. Um, but I think he's a player to keep an eye on. And because he's on the 40-man roster, we could see him in New York sooner rather than later. Um, Jeffrey Ramirez is a starter. He's, he's uh, struck out almost 10 batters per nine. Uh, another guy who I believe is on the 40-man roster. Another guy who I didn't hear about until after he was added to the 40-man roster. Um, I, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Some people have said reliever with him, um, but he's you know definitely big enough to be a, be a starting pitcher, having a great season. Um, and, uh, and last but not least, Tyro Estrada. Tyro Estrada uh, batting 321. 404, 430, playing shortstop, second base, all over. All over. Um, he, if Tyler Wade didn't exist, and we didn't even talk about Tyler Wade's great season, Tyro Estrada would be like the pick for the next great Yankee utility guy. Um, and uh, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I think I, I wrote a post uh, earlier this week where I said, you know, if the Yankees are going to trade anybody, I think Tyler Estrada is one of those guys you trade because I just don't see where the guy plays anytime soon. Well, the beautiful thing about having a stacked farm system now, and again, it's weird being a Yankee fan and being able to say things like that, but is the fact that there's so many good guys that, and I, and I thought your post earlier in the week was phenomenal, that it's time to start looking at some of these guys and using them, because they're not all going to pan out, to uh, supplement that major league roster and getting quality major league players for our quality minor leaguers. Well, I'll tell you something. There's there's a lot of good things that, that you can talk about right now. One is that a lot of the players we're talking about are a double A AA and triple A, which means that they're they're players that could quickly be slotted into the major leagues, either as a call up to New York or in a trade. Right? Those players are much more valuable than like highly ranked prospects at, at low A. People just don't like to trade for those guys. Uh, you you almost never see a Blake Rutherford get traded um, at the trade deadline. You see a Chance Adams get traded at the trade deadline all the time. Um, you know, and I think that the Yankees should be should be aggressive here. Right? Three months ago, I was saying I was not saying buy, right? I was saying like take what you got this season. You know, maybe the Yankees can win a wild card spot, maybe they can't, but you know, stick to the plan, be the Cubs. You know, load up, put the super team together, and then go out and trade for trade for guys to try to win the World Series. The Yankees could win the World Series this year. It's um, possible. There's no doubt. And so I, I think they, they need to be thinking about going out and trading for another starting pitcher, maybe another relief pitcher, and maybe a first baseman. I mean, and, and these are the guys you trade for, right? I trade a Jeffrey Ramirez, a Ronald Herrera. Uh, I, I think about trading, I, I wrote in that post, Thyro Estrada, Miguel Andijar, those guys. And I think they can do all of this while keeping Glaber Torres, while keeping... Um, I guess Aaron Judge is staying, so that's not really not really a concern. But keeping Clint Frazier, keeping Chance Adams, keeping the real Golden guys, um, and I think that that should be the that should be the uh, the priority. Anything else you want to uh, you want to say about Double A Trenton? No, I think we're good. I'm, I'm going right, to well, p- pose a scenario to you though here, EJ. Sure. I think a lot of Yankee fans have been waiting for the off season in a couple years when Bryce Harper becomes <laughs> the free agent yep. and and thinking back how the Yankees used to operate and just saying, okay, we'll give him $500 trillion and he's going to be our, our, our outfielder and our cornerstone piece. Player Based owner. upon what you've seen so far this year, not from him, but from the Yankees and their prospects in AAA, does that change at all? If, if you had the opportunity right now to just spend as much money as necessary to get Bryce Harper for next year, do you get him? Yes, um, I, I think you absolutely do. I don't, I don't think that our, our Brett Gardner trading concerns are a problem in the offseason. 
Um, and my, my thought about Bryce Harper is that, first off, that offseason is two seasons away. Yes. We don't, we're going to have a lot of information revealed about the players that we have um, between now and then, right? We might know that Gleyber Torres is, is as good or better than Manny Machado by then. We might know that Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, Harper aren't as good as they are right now in two years, etc., um, we might know that you know Didi Gregorius has started to decline. Right? These are all these are all things that I think that that we we can't know right now. But if I could right now sign Bryce Harper to a very large market rate free agent contract, I do it in a second. Right? The Yankees have money to sign a player like Bryce Harper. It is wasted if the Yankees are spending their money on Chase Headleys of the world. Right? Bryce Harper will be young. Right? He's going to be twenty six years old, I believe, or twenty five when he's a free agent. Right, he is going to be uh, in the prime of his career for most of that contract, and he's going to have he's going to have a bad back end. Right, he's going to look like a Rod toward the end of that contract. But had a Rod signed a fifteen year deal when he was twenty five, any team in baseball would have would have taken you know forty million dollars a year for a Rod during his prime years, and that's what Bryce Harper is going to cost, and he deserves it. Um, you know, I think there's I think the more interesting question is what do we do about pitching. Um, I believe actually this offseason there's now a surprising number of pretty good free agent pitchers that are going to be out there, and even more in the in that you know the mega free agent offseason. And I'm a little more concerned about signing pitchers to free agent deals, and that's why I want a. And we can talk about this in another podcast. That's why I want Chance Adams or Justice Sheffield and or say Luis Severino and Jordan Jordan Montgomery to to make it easier on the Yankees. Right? They shouldn't have to go out and fill their rotation with free agent starters. They should have to. They should go out and get like one Clayton Kershaw, and that's it. Correct. Um, yes. And that's that. I think is the goal. Um, the more like star young cost control players that you have. I think the, the the more you can concentrate on star free agents rather than having to spread your free agency around. The Yankees were in a position where they basically had to sign Jacoby Ellsbury, um, or at least they thought they kind of had to sign Jacoby Ellsbury, and that led to them spending a lot of money on a mediocre player, whereas I'd rather them, instead of signing two Jacoby Ellsburys, sign one Bryce Harper and have Aaron Judge playing in the right field. Beautiful. I love it. All right. Well, Paul, thank you for joining me tonight. Everybody else, thank you. You can please, 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 please rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Please leave us a five-star rating so other people can help discover this podcast. Please tweet us at IIATMS if you have any questions for this podcast. Podcast, we will likely do two episodes next week, one on Monday, probably one on Thursday. We'll see how the schedule works because I'm going to be missing the week after that. We'd like to thank Original Grain Watch Company for sponsoring this podcast, and thank you all. It's been the It's About the Money podcast.